Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we are helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can check us out online at mynsc.org. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout your week. And now, check out this week's sermon. To start this out, uh, we're going to look at, at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'm going to point out something to you in verses 6 and 7. This is, this is the, 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 um, the, the focal point of, of, our, of our series this week and then the next two weeks. Uh, of course, next week will be a little bit more lighthearted, um, although we always were very serious about the Word of God and learning and embracing the Word of God. But today's just going to be a unique day. 1 Corinthians 13, 6 and 7, love does not delight in evil. It does not delight in evil. Love does not delight in evil. Today's topic, what we're going to be talking about is pornography. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. It always protects. It always protects. What does it do? It protects. How often? Always. That's what love does. What does love do? It protects. How often? Always. It always does what? Protects. How often? Always. It always protects. It always protects. It always protects. You need to get that in your heart. Number one, write this down. We only got two sermon notes today, which is rare. Not very many fill in the blanks. So this is rare. But number one, write this down, that the call, of the call of love demands that we protect others. The call of love demands that we protect others. It also, by the way, uh, the call of love, God's love for us, he wants us to stay protected from things that would distract us and pull us from a relationship with him. So he is trying to protect us, and he's asking us, to protect others. Now, with that being said, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with this video. It's Josh McDowell speaking at a conference, and and, and you're gonna be you're gonna notice that Josh dresses in a very unique way. Get past that, all right? There's a reason for that. You're gonna see a Superman belt buckle. You're gonna see this crazy shirt. Uh, this guy is passionate about youth ministry. And I have been, I've actually been in conferences with Josh McDowell. I've actually been on the same platform with Josh McDowell. As he's spoken, I've done that several times uh, in the past. And this guy loves teenagers, and he is the real deal, everybody. I've seen, I've seen a um, conference in which he was speaking in front of a bunch of uh, teenagers, just teenagers. And he said, this, he said this phrase. He said, I wish I could be your dad. I wish I could be every one of you. I wish every one of you were my child. And all of a sudden, teenagers start running up saying, I need a dad. I want a dad. And they started running to him in the middle of the service. I'm telling you, this guy has a, a heart of a father, and he's very passionate about the subject. But he's also very bold, all right? So watch this with us. Here we go, Josh McDowell. Here we go, Josh McDowell. trillion pages on the Internet. You know how long it takes you to count to a trillion? 1,200 years. Just to count to one trillion. Eleven trillion pages. Here's the thing. One click away. See, older people can't grasp that. One click away. Think of this. I tried to figure out just how big is the internet. I concluded the moment I trillion pages that every 24 hours, the internet you know how long takes you to count to a trillion? One thousand two hundred years. Just to count to one seven. 11 trillion quadrillion pages. gigabytes. One click away. See, older people can't grasp that. Most of you one don't even know what a quadrillion away. is. Try a Think of this. A sextillion. I tried to figure out just how big is the internet. I concluded the moment I trillion pages that every 24 hours it printed out. The internet you know how long takes you to count to a trillion? One thousand years. Point just to count out. Seven. One hundred and twelve sextillion. A 11, 11 trillion, trillion Here's the thing. One click away. See, older people can't grasp that. Every 20 years, don't even know what a quadrillion away. is. Try a that is 1.3 quadrillion. I tried to figure out just how big is the internet. 
I conclude so a trillion of pages that every 24 hours, it printed out every author, the internet long process, comes to every every teacher, point seven, one hundred and twelve, six trillion, here's the thing, one click away. See, older people can't grasp that. You're in competition. That is one point three. I try to figure out just how big is the internet. I conclude right. that the moment I did it was outrageous that every the other hours, it printed which out, is worse than the internal teaching comes from every teacher point in the school. Seven, one hundred and twelve, six, six, eight, quadrillion. Here's the thing, one click away. See, older people can't grasp that. Every twenty years, one million over the course of many years. That is one point three. I try to figure out just how big it is. Most countries in the world are worse off than the moment I did it that every the other four which is worse than the country See, older people can't grasp that. Look at the size. That is one country. Most countries in the world are worse off than the other I would say to any grandparent, 1,000% of all your should be eye-opening for all of us. There was not one thing that he said that I disagree with. It is not a matter of if this 
generation and the next generations are going to see things. The question is when. And it's our job as parents and as grandparents and as guardians to do two things. You might want to write this down. It's not on your sheets, but maybe the right corner, the right uh, bottom corner of it. We have to protect and we have to prepare. We have to protect them and we have to prepare them. We have to protect them. We have to prepare them. My wife and I have been doing that for our children for years. I'm going to go, I'm going to hit a, a few other stats. And if, you, if you're a fast writer, you can write these down because this was actually recorded uh, a couple of years ago in New Zealand, in Auckland. And, um, um, and, and you know, within six months, those stats are outdated that, because it's growing so fast. It's becoming so prominent. It, they're just outdated. Uh, the, the time that you start announcing them, they're just, they're just outdated. Things change so very quickly. I'm, I'm going to give you a few stats here, okay? Now, this is the problem. This is, just, this is, this is the, the, the nation, USA, the nation as a whole. This is not around the world. This is just, these stats are just involving the United States. That 68% of church-going men are addicted to porn. View it at least one time a week. 68% of church-going men. And we used to think, well, that's, it's just porn is just a man's problem. It is not just a man's problem. I promise you that. As you said in that stat a couple of years ago, 37% of women. But now we, we just get, had another study come out that uh, of, Christian, of, of Christian college women, th this is not just all girls in, in any college. These are Christian college women, 45% view pornography at least once a month. 45% of Christian college women view it once a month. Uh, now, he, he, uh, and there's, some, there's a couple of different stats for this. He, he recognized 66%. I have a stat that showed 56% of divorces that are now occurring have porn attached to it. There is porn involved in that divorce. So what used to be finances was the big thing, and we just can't agree upon finances. Pornography is, is now the biggest, the biggest uh, reason for people getting divorced today. The majority of the reasons for divorce today is pornography because pornography is not just an addiction. It leads to a disconnection in a marriage. It leads to a disconnection. All of a sudden, your spouse does not fulfill your desires anymore because you're living in a false world. You're living in a fake world. And you become detached because all of a sudden your spouse does not satisfy anymore because you are living in a fantasy land. You are living actually in, in, in um, I better watch my words here. You're living in sin. You're living in sin. And it is, it is disrupting and destroying families like never before. Destroying them. 94% of kids will see pornography by the age of 14, 94%. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, 94%. The average age of a child's first exposure to porn is now eight years old. The average age of exposure to porn is now eight years old. And some of you know that full well in this room. In fact, I do. And we all have, in fact, Craig Rochelle calls this, uh, this device right here, pornography in the pocket. Because used to, when I was growing up in the 1970s and the 1980s, it was kind of difficult to get pornography. It, it was difficult. We, we didn't have pornography in our pocket. It, but at the same point, when I was a child, probably around the seven or eight-year-old range, I've told you some of these uh, stories before that my brother and I, I don't know if he's at the service today or not, but my brother and I, we, we were just going, we lived in a little town of 1,400 people, north central Oklahoma, rural farming community, and we were just walking around during the middle of the summer, and we come across this 55-gallon drum that somebody had, they had been using as a trash-burning barrel, and we, we just walking by and look into it, and there's a, there's a stack of pornographic magazines, and that happened when I was seven or eight years all is when I first saw my, my first experience with pornography was at a very, very young age. My, 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 uh, I, and I could give you several, and I could give you several accounts. My, my first pornographic video that I saw was at my cousin's house. 
where my parents thought we would be totally safe at my cousin's house because they were a Christian family. They went to church, but my cousin convinced my brother and I to go to a friend's house, and we walked into this house. Guess what was playing on the television? It was a, a videotape, a VHS cassette of just pornography. And I, w- I, I sat there looking at it, and I was absolutely stunned. I'd never seen anything like that before in my life, and I ended up going to a, a, a back bedroom and I, I just said, I, I don't want to see that. I, I don't want to watch that. I don't want to watch that. And after a few minutes, they came and got me and they said, hey, we decided to shut it off because apparently their guilt got to them too. My, my, uh, my, my family on my dad's side, they owned an auto repair shop. And, and a lot of the family members worked in it. So all of my, my grandpa, a lot of my uncles, in fact, my brother and I worked at, at this auto shop when we were in high school. And they, they had this upstairs room that had a pool table. And, and my family, they were great at pool because they played it all the time. I mean, all the time. And we were up there one time. My brother and I were up there as we were working for my grandpa over the summer. And I saw, I saw some brown paper bags off to the side. And I thought, well, what is that? And I went over there and I looked at it, opened it up. And guess, guess what was in there? Just pornographic magazines when I was probably a sophomore in high school. You're the story that maybe I told this a few years ago that my, my, my brother and I and a couple of friends were out hunting and we were hunting on the side of a hill. And so to, to get from one set of woods, hardwoods to another, we either had to go up and cross this road to go up the hill or we could go underneath this bridge and then go up the hill. We decided to take the easier out, go underneath this, this huge culvert. We went in, inside of it and then up the hill and there was a bag full of pornographic magazines, everybody. And that's, that, see, see how the devil just places those things everywhere. And that's before we had pornography in our pocket. That's when you had to look at it the hard way. That's when you had to find it the hard way. How much more easy is it to access it now? How much more easy is it for your child to access it now? When I was in ninth grade, um, a couple of friends invited me over to their house and said, hey, you got to come and check this out. And so we went back into their parents' bedroom. And in their bedroom was not only pornographic uh, material, but but um, items placed in there, and I didn't even know those things existed. And he was showing off. He was saying, "Look, look what my parents are. Look what my dad has." And and I remember just being sick to my stomach, like I shouldn't be seeing this. This is not where I want to be. I don't want to be looking at this. This is wrong. This is wrong. It, it was it, even as a as a as a freshman in high school, I knew that there was a form of perversion attached to it. And I left. My son, Isaac, his first exposure of pornography was at a very young age. He was probably 11, maybe 12. And it happened at vacation Bible school at a church here in town. I won't tell you the church, but there was a row of girls sitting ahead of him as they closed out the service. And all these girls were giggling. They had a phone in their hands, and they were all giggling. Well, Isaac, we always tell Isaac the nose knows, because my, my son Isaac, he has these ears that pick up every single sound in every room. He knows what you're talking about from three rooms away. How many have a child like that? We have one. We just call him the nose, because the nose knows, because he, he just, he can't, he just is always listening and always paying attention, and and he's wondering what these girls are laughing at, and so he looks up, and again, everybody, these were young girls, these were young girls, junior high girls that had pornography on the cell phone and they were passing it around looking at it. And my son actually sat there and saw what they were looking at. And thankfully, thank the Lord, he came out of that VBS and he said, hey, mom and dad, I've got to talk to you. I saw something today I wasn't meant to see. And I was so grieved. I was so grieved because I knew that my children would face a battle that I did not want them to face. I'm going to be very, very open with you today. We have got to do something. We have to protect and we have to prepare them. We have to protect them. We have to prepare them. And he's like, well, what good is protection if they're going to see it anyway? I'll get into that in a second, but I got to tell you some scripture. I got to, I'm going to go to the book of Joshua real quick. Can we look at that very quickly? So I'm going to show you that this is in the word of God. This act of protection is in 
the word of God. Joshua chapter 2. Now this is what's happened. Moses has just died. He, he, he was going to take the children of God into the promised land. Remember, but there's some things that happened in his past. God said, no, you can't do that. I'm going to hand the Israelites over to your aid. I'm going to hand them over to Joshua. And Joshua is going to be the one to actually take them into the promised land. So Joshua is preparing to do that. And, and he knows that right on the other side of the river is this place called Jericho. And he knows that that's going to be the first, the, the first stop on the journey into the promised land. And, and so he sends in, everybody knows this story, he sends in these two spies to, to go check out this land. But more importantly, he says, especially around Jericho, I want you to go see what Jericho is like. I want to know what we're up against. And so these two spies go into, into that country, into that place, and into Jericho, and they run into this woman this prostitute named Rahab. And Rahab does something for them that was God-ordained, and she received a reward for it. So she took in these, word got out that these spies were there, and she, she, she realized, hey, I've got to protect these two, these two spies, these two children of God. And that's where we catch up in Joshua chapter 2, verse 8, is where we're going to start. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof because remember, she was hiding them under these big stacks of, of flax. She was hiding them uh, and, and, and saying, hey, listen, I'm going to send I'm going to send the guards away. And that's exactly what she did. The guards went away. She gave them a false lead. And then she went up on the roof and she said to them, I know, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen upon us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. And when we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. Watch this, everybody. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. This is the reason that Rahab got her name in the, in the hall of faith in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Because she believed that their God was the God. And she knew in her heart, no, I know that, we're, that my society, my culture is going the wrong direction. And I realize that. And, and, and I, I'm with you guys. I see I see that you guys are right and we are wrong. Verse 12, now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to, what does she say? To my family, because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and my mother and my brothers and my sisters and all who belong to them. Now, why didn't she say her own children? Well, what was her job? And what had probably happened in the past? Well, we don't know, but she had a past. I promise you that. And she's concerned about her family and all who belong to the family and that you will save us from death. And the spies, our lives for your lives. The man assured her, if you don't, if you don't tell what we're doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us this land. We're going to treat you kindly. We're going, to be, we're going to be faithful to you. We're going to honor you. We're going to honor this decision, the fact that you, that you hid us, that you protected us. In fact, what we want you to do is the same rope that they were lowered out of in the winter. Remember, her apartment was on the city wall, and she lowered them outside of the city wall using the scarlet cord. They said, hey, listen, just put that thing back in the window and hang it there. And she did. And when, when, when we come back and destroy Jericho, we promise you that, that if you and your family are within that apartment, that you're going to be safe, that you're going to live, that it's going to be okay. And here you have a woman, this great woman of faith who was found in the hall of faith, who decided one day not only to choose God as her God, but to say, hey, I'm, I want to protect my family too. And she was, by the way, she was rewarded. In fact, let's look at what Hebrews 11.31 says. It says, by faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Let, let me say this verse another way. Let me say my own, my own paraphrase of this verse. 
By faith, the the prostitute Rahab, because she did something that no one else was doing, she was rewarded with life. And her family was rewarded, but she was doing something that nobody else was doing. And she did it to protect her family. And New Song, I'm calling us to do something in this generation that most people in our culture are not doing. And that is to protect our family. To do something that nobody else is doing in this culture. Whereas men and women of God, we rise up and say, who's going to protect my children if I don't? Let me ask you a question. Do you really trust their their friends at school? Do you really trust the parents of your child's friends? Do Do you really know what goes on in that house? Do you really? I'm going to share something with you. The generation even, I'm almost, I'm almost, well, I'll be 49 in just a few months, so I'm getting up there a little bit. And generations have changed, haven't they? But even in my generation, growing up in the 70s, in the early 80s, even my generation wasn't safe. My brother and I, one day we were just hanging out with a friend, He said, I'll show you where my dad hangs out. And he had a camper, one of those campers that you set inside of the bed of a truck, truck camper, but it was sitting on the ground. He said, yeah, this is where my dad hangs out. He said, come on in. And so we went inside of this camper that was sitting on the ground and pornography was everywhere. That happened in my generation. And you know, in your generation, You had things too, didn't you? You saw things, and you heard things, and you heard stories. And no one one in this room is innocent of seeing things that they shouldn't have seen, hearing things that they shouldn't have heard, talking about things that they shouldn't have talked about. Can I just be the first to express to you that I've been exposed to it? And so have you. And to think that your children or your grandchildren won't be exposed to it is lunacy. It doesn't make sense. And it's not, it's, it's not true. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. You're like, well, pastor, this isn't encouraging at all. Why did I come here to hear this? Because there's good news. It's just a call to righteous living ourselves. And it's a call to protect and it's a call to prepare. And I'm so grateful that my wife and I have chose, we we chose to live our lives to protect our children. And yet at the same point, we weren't naive. And we decided to prepare them for the moments that they would come across in their lives, that they would see things that that they weren't meant to see. Everybody, we got to address this. I want you to write this down, number two. This is something I, that I, I've, I've said for a long time. I've always said the power of sin is in its secrecy. But I was listening to, a, to a, somebody else teach on this subject matter quite some time ago, and it was Craig Rochelle. And he said it this way, the sin grows in the dark. Sin grows in the dark. Sin grows in the dark. The power of sin is in its secrecy. That's why the Bible says we we confess our sins to God for forgiveness, right? If we confess our sins to God, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But the Bible says that we confess our sins one to another so that we can not be forgiven. We go to God for forgiveness. We confess our sins one to another so that we can be healed. That's what the Bible says. So we go to God for forgiveness, but we go to others for healing, We go to others for healing. I'm going to address something in this room that I've never addressed from the pulpit before, but a very dear friend of mine who's in this this church, part of this church, he's working today. Um, 
you, you would know him, Steve DeLee. He's a policeman here in, in town and very faithful. He plays the bass when he's not working on the weekends. And he's had this small group here in our church for years called Every Man's Battle. Every Man's Battle. It was just an open invitation for all men who struggle with it. And can I tell you, there were multiple years that the only people that showed up were my boys and his boys. And it grieves me. And I know the reason. Because of embarrassment. Because of the shame attached to it. Well, if I show up to this, they're going to think that I'm a pervert. They're going to think that I'm, that I'm crazy. They're going to think of, of, about me in such and such way. And I don't want anybody to know. And it's, it's better for me just to keep this to myself. Can I tell you something? The power of sin is in its secrecy. That sin grows in the dark. And you can't keep it there. You have to expose it. So before you protect and prepare your children, you've got to repent of what's happening in your own life. And you have to expose it. And every time that I, I teach on this subject, because if, if this is your first time here, I, I got to tell you, this is not the first time I've taught on this because it's such an issue in our culture. I have to, I have to. I'm obligated as a pastor to teach you that freedom in Christ is better than anything this world would offer you. And that the devil wants to keep you down and to keep you in bondage, but you are not, to me you are not meant to live like that. You are called to be free, but you can't keep it in secret anymore. So every time I teach this, I always have the, these phone calls. Pastor, I need to meet with you. Get in here. Come on in. I'm ready for you. And when they come in, I don't judge. I don't condemn. In fact, it's the exact opposite. I applaud them. And I tell them first off, the first thing I do is I give them a hug. Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in. Oh, I'm so proud of you. I'm proud of me. You don't know what I've been looked at. Yes, I do. Get in here. Give me a hug. I'm proud of you. Because you're chosen, you've chosen to expose this. And freedom is ahead of you because you chose to, to expose it. But if you don't, church, men and women, if you don't expose it, sin grows in the dark. It grows in the dark. Let me show you something that here in, in the book of James. And I'm sorry that this is not one of those sermons that there's a lot of laughing going on. I'm usually like that, but... This is too important. And how many know this subject matter just doesn't lend itself towards laughter? Because this is no laughing matter. James 1, chapter, chapter 1, verse 12. I want to put this in context to you because the Bible says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. How many know that we face trials and we face temptations in this world and we're called to persevere? We're, we're called to stay free. He said that if you persevere under trial, having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who just choose him first, to those who love him. And I want to live my life with somebody who loves God more than anything else in this world. So it goes on, verse 13, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. So you can't blame God. Well, God, this is your fault because you made me this way. God is perfect and there is no evil in him, but we live in a fallen world. Don't point your finger at God in this matter. You can point your finger at the devil. Say, devil, you are sly. You are, you are full of deceit. You, 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 uh, you keep bringing these things into my life and you can, get, you can get mad at the devil. It's okay. It's okay. In fact, I get angry at the devil all the time. We live in a fallen world, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and they're enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown because sin grows in the dark. When it's full grown, it gives birth to death. And you're like, I don't really like that verse of scripture. 
I wish that verse of scripture wasn't in there. I don't, I don't like it that that's what sin does in my life. I don't like it that sin causes death and destruction and, and destroys families and destroys family units and destroys marriages and it's just destroys life. I don't like that. But just because you like, don't like it doesn't mean it's not true. You can look at that and say, well, I just don't like that verse. I don't care because it's still true. Just because you're offended at something in the Bible or even something in culture or something in life, even though you're offended, doesn't necessarily mean it's not true. And everybody, I'm telling you, you say, well, I wish that wasn't there. But the fact of the matter is it is there. But you're not meant to live that life. You're meant to be free. You're meant to be free. New song, you're meant to be free. How? Pastor, how? Expose it to the right person who will love you unconditionally and who will look at you and say, I'm not innocent either. I have failed. And if you go to any person in this church that coaches or mentors, and you're like, hey, I need to expose this in my life. I'm guilty of this. They're going to look at you and say, yeah, I've been guilty of that too. I've sinned too. Dr. Dobson says, I share this every time I preach this message because it's so true. Dr. Dobson says 95% of men deal with lust and the other 5% are liars. And it's the truth. If you say, well, pastor, you probably never deal with lust. Are you kidding me? Do I have eyes, everybody? Does your pastor have eyes? Do you have eyes? Okay, then guess what we deal with? We deal with it. But I pray this prayer all the time. I'm just teaching you how to, how to live life a little bit better, how to be free. We expose things in our life that need to be exposed. And I pray prayers like this. Father, I don't want to have eyes for anybody else other than my wife. I want the desire of my heart to be only on my wife when it comes to sex, when it comes to intimacy. I don't want to desire anybody else other than my wife. And I pray that prayer quite often. When I'm, taking, when I'm tempted to take a second look, no, I, I'm, God, I choose my wife. I love my wife. Father, give me eyes only for my wife. Pastor, you're tempted to take a second look. Come on. As Josh McDowell would say, wake up. Wake up. Because pastors, we're just like you. And, 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 and I'm, I'm, I'm willing to be transparent with you just so you'll know that it's across the board. And it used to be just a man thing, but it's not now. 45% of Christian college Women look at pornography on a regular basis. Not just 45% of, of, of girls in college. No, 45% of Christian girls in college. It's not just a man thing anymore. 37%, Josh McDowell said, and this was a couple of years ago. I would say it's probably higher now. Of women in our nation look at porn on a regular basis. It's not just a man thing. And the years of saying, well, he's just preaching to the men. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. And if I could tell you of conversations that I've had, I should say that my wife and I have had with people in this church, ladies in this church, you would know that it's not just a man thing. It's not. And, and men, I say that because I want you to know. Because I know it's tough to hear you're in this moment. You're like, I, Pastor, I just wish you'd stop now. I just wish... Because now every woman in this room is going to think I'm, no, they're not. They know what's in this world. They know what's on television. They know the camera shots. They know the camera angles at, at football games. They know. They know the commercials. They look at them too. They know what we're up against, and you should know what they're up against. They know. And I promise you, your spouse would applaud you. Men, your spouse would applaud you if you said, baby, I, I just need some things around the house just to change a little bit. 
We're going to start watching some different television programs. We're going to start getting some filters and all of our stuff. And men, let's just step up and lead the way in our homes to protect and to prepare, to protect and to prepare. The Bible says this, everybody, in James chapter, James chapter 1. He says, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. The the word for that in the original language is actually a fishing term. It means baited. How many have ever gone fishing before? You've gone fishing and you throw out the bait and it dangles in front of the in front of the, the fish, and it's, it's a worm that just starts moving. You know, live worms work a lot better than dead worms, right? Because it's the movement that gets their attention, or it's the shiny thing. You throw a lure out there, and it's something shiny. It's a spinner that gets their attention. It's enticing, and they get baited, and all of a sudden, they think, oh, that looks good, and they get baited, and then all of a sudden, they're on the hook, and then they regret that decision, and isn't that, isn't that what pornography is like? You get, you get baited, you get enticed, oh, that looks good, and all of a sudden you start clicking on it, you start looking at it, and a few seconds later, a few minutes later, you're like, oh, no, what did I just do? What did I just do? What did I just do? And you realize that you gave in to the bait of the enemy, And what I, what I don't want to do is I, I don't want to have an altar call today where I'm like, hey, if you struggle with this, just come forward. Just say, you know, I don't want to do that. I'm, I'm not trying. I don't, want to, I don't want to embarrass you. I don't, I don't want you to put you in a weird spot. So, so relax if you think, is he going to call me up? No, I'm not. I promise I'm not. Relax. Relax. But I am going to ask you. to get in front of somebody that you love and who loves you and take off the mask and say, this is who I really am. Take off the mask and say, this is what I've been looking at. This has been a part of my life and I'm tired of it. And I've taught my, my children this and I'm still teaching them this, that it's not enough To have remorse, you have to move from remorse to repentance. So a lot of people are remorseful. Oh, I wish I didn't do that. Oh, God, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. But they keep it in the dark, and it still grows in their life because it hasn't been exposed. But repentance is where you expose it to somebody, and you take off the mask and say, I need to be healed. I need need help. And if you do that, you could do that with your spouse. You can do that with me. You can do that with Dr. Bill, our pastoral counselor. You can do that with any of the staff members here. Ladies, if if you struggle with it, we have have ladies on staff. We have Pastor Stephanie and Pastor Amanda. We have my wife, obviously. We got got ladies in, in the office that can help you. We obviously have men in the office that can help you. And Just come to us and take off the mask. Go to somebody and take off the mask. And move from remorse to repentance. Move from desire to discipline. I'm going to discipline myself to take off this mask and to live in freedom. So if you struggle with that, that's that's the altar call. The altar call will take place tomorrow when the Lord reminds you, hey, you need to expose that. And you pick up the phone and you call the church office or you pick up the phone and you call your spouse or, or you, you just get a time where you're alone with your spouse and say, baby, I need to talk to you. And they're going to cry. And ladies, if, if your husband or, or men, if your wife reveals this to you, do not jump on their case. Don't you do that. Don't look at them. What are you thinking? Don't do that. They're going to you so they can be free. So you put your arms around them and say, baby, I'm so proud of you because you want to be free. I'm here for you. We're going we're gonna to walk in freedom together. Here, your pastor. Do not attack them. 
Yeah, it's going to hurt a little bit. But you take one for the marriage. You take the hit for your spouse. And you love them like you said you would the day that you married them, for better, for worse. Oh, that'll preach right there. For your children, protect them. Protect them. And prepare them. In your sermon notes, at the very bottom of your sermon notes, I have put resources down. What I feel are the best of the best. And if you have others, that's great. But I'm telling you, these are, these are what I would send you to if you struggle with it. There's a couple of courses that you can take online. One of them is bravehearts.org. And it's a man that was bound in pornography and he has workshops that he gives online. But then there's also accountability built into it and there's a structure in it and there's a follow through in it. It's, it's, it's brilliant. There's another one called The Freedom Fight. The Freedom Fight. In fact, if you look at the books down below, uh, I had more books there, but the printer got cut it off so you don't see all the books there. But, but Freedom Fight has another, a book that you can order and it's a great book. In fact, Josh McDowell, I think, does the forward in that book. Internet filters. The internet filter, because we get this question a lot, the internet filter that we use, my family uses, we have internet filters. And we've been using this for a long time. It's called everaccountable.com. Everaccountable.com. And, and we put that on computers and we put that on our cell phones. So anything that my, my sons, for instance, and my daughter too, well, my, my daughter right now, Grace, she doesn't have internet on her phone. Because we... It's, it's a privilege, it's not a right. You don't, have to have, you don't have to put the internet on your child's phone. Come on, parents, be a parent. And at the right time, after you have prepared them, then you can allow that to happen, but you still need a filter on there, and that's what we did with our boys. We waited until a certain time, until they were about 17. When they were about a senior in high school, we said, okay, now you can have the internet, but there's going to be a filter here, ever accountable. And every single web page, web page that you visit, I can see. And in fact, it notifies me, it emails me. If my, if my sons look at a site, whether accidentally or on purpose, they, if they look at a site, it's good, they're going to e email me and say, hey, this is what was looked at this week. You need to check in with your son. You need, you need to check in with your family member. We use everaccountable.com. It, it, it costs money. Well, pastor, that's not for free. Well, how much is your family worth? How much is it worth? Because it costs a little bit of money. I don't, I don't know, it's 120 bucks a year, something like that. I just look at that and say, my family is worth that. It could cost $1,000 a year, and my family is worth that. Other, other ones, you have Ever Accountable. Um, you have uh, a great one, Covenant Eyes is a great one. I, I've had parents, when I've told them about Ever Accountable, they're like, well, we can't do that. We don't know how to put it on their phone. Well, come and ask us about that. And we'll help you. And also, there's these things on YouTube called tutorials. They're amazing. They actually help. And you can put them on a phone just by following the tutorials. Everybody, you have to live your life with no excuses. No excuses. No excuses. So you have to protect them. And you have to prepare them. And my wife and I have done that. And we are still doing that with our children. We're protecting them, and we're preparing them. And there is no, listen, 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 listen to your pastor. I know this is going long today, but I don't care. There's no reason for your child to lose their innocence. Well, it's good for them if they see it, because they need to know what's in the world. What is that? What a lie from the enemy. That's a lie from the enemy. They'll figure that out on their own. Trust me. When they start going to college, it'll all, they'll see it all. Yours is not to expose them and help them lose their innocence. That doesn't make sense. That's not godly. We are to protect them. Love always protects. How often? Always. That's what we do. And I've heard, I've had parents come up and say, well, I think it's good that they see those things because it just teaches them what the world is like. What a bunch of baloney, everybody. 
as we say in the South. What a bunch of baloney. We also say bull hockey. That's in the South too, bull hockey. And then, of course, resources. If you want resources, you got uh, setfreesummit.org. You got xxchurch.com. Great resources. I put them there because I don't want you to have any excuses. I don't want you to go home and say, well, I forgot what he said. Well, just take your sermon notes home. If you didn't get sermon notes, take them on the way out. They're there for you. And we're here for you too. Okay, now I'm going to shut up. But I'm, I'm telling you, I'm passionate about the subject. And I'm standing up for a generation that needs somebody to stand up for them. And I make no apologies for that whatsoever. So I love this next generation. And I want to protect them. And I love you. And I want to protect you. And I want you to walk in freedom. And we're here for you. Let's stand up together. <laughs> now, everybody could just bow our heads. And I'm going to pray a prayer. And if this fits in your, in your world, just pray this with me. God, I have sinned and fallen short of, of your glory. I failed in my life. Personally, and I failed to protect. I failed to prepare. And I'm asking, Father, first of all, for forgiveness for that. And I'm asking for your help. Lord, I want to be free. But not only that, I want my spouse to be free. I want my children to be free. I want my grandchildren to be free. God, I'm asking you to give me wisdom. I'm asking you to give me freedom in my own life. Give me courage. Give me boldness to take the mask off. And give me love, a supernatural that when somebody else takes, takes their mask off in front of me, that I would not be judgmental or condemning, but I would applaud them as they move towards freedom. And I'm asking for your help today. I'm asking for more of you. And Lord, I speak a blessing over New Song. Could you just hold your hands up very quickly, New Song, and receive this blessing? The Lord just put it up on my heart. Heavenly Father, I bless this family of faith, every generation represented in this room. I bless them with minds that are washed clean from every thought, every pornographic image, every pornographic video, every conversation that was not godly. Father, I declare in the name of Jesus that you are washing their minds clean that you are literally removing those thoughts from their minds and setting them free in the name and by the power of Jesus Christ I declare it if you receive that today could you say amen I love you I'm sharing this today with you because I love you I love you as a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life, and we would love to continue on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org connect. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.